This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 218, Top 10 Tough Questions About Bank on Yourself, Part 2. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is not your average financial podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. There's a lot of questions that come up when you're exploring a brand new, and sometimes some people might say counterintuitive financial strategy, maybe one that you've never heard of before, and you have no friends, family, or others that have done this before. When you're looking over the ledge, wondering if you should jump, uh, there's a lot of important thoughts that go through your mind. And thankfully, we're covering a, a bunch of them that I hear regularly in my conversations with clients as we meet over the phone or Zoom. And these are the best. These are the hardest, toughest questions I've heard people ask. And so I'm bringing them to you to help get you thinking about these same questions, as well as possible ways to get a new perspective. Um, at least these are the perspectives I'll bring today. Are these going to be the only 10 questions? Certainly not. There's probably hundreds more that you might have, uh, but I'd be honored and happy to chat with you about them. So as we're going through this, we've made it through the first five tough questions. Go back and listen to the previous episode if you haven't already. I'll wait for you here. Now, once you're back, these are going to be five more tough questions that really takes time to really unpack and think through. So this is sort of like you getting to listen in on some of our discussions with clients and potential clients that we'd love to work with. Uh, and that would include you. So feel free to listen in as we go through these next five questions. Here is tough question number six. The question starts off with this. Hey, Mark, I was shown an illustration from let's just say XYZ insurance company. I looked at the policy. It seems to be structured the bank on yourself way. It's whole life insurance. It's got paid up additions, et cetera, et cetera. And, and the only thing that seems to be different is that this other company, this XYZ insurance company is showing a higher dividend and the cash value in 15, 20, 30 years from now is higher. So why would I use your company that you're showing me instead? So again, a great question, smart question. This is an important question. I believe that we shouldn't have some sort of religious allegiance to the insurance company, especially when we're still exploring our options. So all companies should be on the table when we're looking at bank on yourself solutions. And by the way, when we look at the spreadsheets and illustrations that the insurance companies and their agents provide us, uh, we should take those illustrations seriously. Those illustrations, which are kind of like 10 to 15 pages of spreadsheets, what they are is they're the best possible manifestation of the insurance contract that you're considering signing and signing up with. So in other words, this illustration is sort of the manifestation or the putting together all the pieces of the parts of that contract that uh, you would sign up with, with the insurance company. And this is a lifetime contract. So when you sign a lifetime contract, you really ought to pay attention to what that contract will do for you. It's not unlike getting married. When you get married, you really want to carefully consider what your future is going to look like with this other person. And maybe you've been presented with two options. Let's imagine you have two people who've proposed marriage to you. And let's say one of them lives in their parents' basement, spending 13 hours a day playing video games, while the other makes you laugh, he's a leader in your community, plays well with children, makes a good income, and already owns a house. 
that fact pattern there should impact your decision. At least I would hope so. But sometimes things are not always as they seem. By asking the important question, tough question number six, what you're doing is you're looking at the higher dividend rate of the insurance company, and you're wanting to know why you would want to go with a company that may have a lower dividend rate. Reasonable question. Let's say that ABC Insurance and XYZ Insurance both have proposals that you're considering, but XYZ Insurance has a higher dividend than that of ABC. This means that on the illustration, that spreadsheet, you're going to see a higher cash value projected into the future. So obviously this seems like a no-brainer, right? If you're getting into bank on yourself mainly for the cash accumulation and XYZ Insurance is giving you more cash, then that's the end of the discussion, right? However, do you know anything about XYZ Insurance Company? Do you know how much of their assets are invested in risky investments or stocks or mortgage securities or Bitcoin or whatever? Do you know if they have a history of boosting their returns in the short run only to underperform their expectations in the long run? What about the guaranteed side of that table on that illustration? You know, most illustrations have a guaranteed side on, usually on the left, and a non-guaranteed dividend side on the right. How do those two tables compare between ABC and XYZ insurance? Does it still look better than the company I would recommend? Case in point, I've seen one very massive mutual insurance company, and recently I've seen this massive insurance company mutually owned, offers paid up additions, offers whole life insurance, but I've seen them recently take a dramatic fall in their dividend rate. For many years, they advertised a substantially higher dividend than that of their competitors. Come to find out, they had picked a few really good investments that worked out really well for them. And so they were showing that off with their profits, their dividend rate. I suppose they took another significant risk in their investing, which meant that they can no longer support that higher dividend. I guess they went south. A couple of their investments went south, and now they can no longer support that higher dividend rate. And so now their rates are far below the average for the industry, uh, for the insurance industry. That's a big deal. Now, just to be clear, side note, this company is still very profitable. They're still financially strong. They're not going anywhere as a company. However, uh, this does have dramatic implications for people who bought that insurance policy a couple of years ago because of that higher dividend rate that they saw a year or two ago. You see, when you get a whole life insurance policy, they often show you a life insurance spreadsheet or illustration as a part of your contract. Those spreadsheets show how your cash value and your death benefit might grow over the years due to the guaranteed cash value increase, as well as dividends that would be earned. And it's, by the way, it's just so cool and phenomenal to see a spreadsheet of your financial plan growing over 30 years, 40 years, 50 plus years. Can you imagine seeing something like that with Wall Street? It's impossible right? There's no way to know what Wall Street might give you. You can imagine though, that this becomes a kind of competitive arms race for many insurance companies. And in fact, the insurance companies themselves are heavily regulated on what they show on that illustration. Of course, they could show anything they want, but they've been regulated to show a certain number of data points in a very specific way. And for whatever reason, this is way above my pay grade, but for whatever reason, the insurance illustrations must show the current dividend rate. Okay, so this year, um, as we're recording, it's 2021. So it would be 2021's dividend rate repeated this year 
next year, the next, the next, the next, and repeat that dividend, that current dividend rate every single year for the rest of your life. They'll put that on your illustration. I mean, does that seem reasonable to you? Can you imagine if meteorologists did that with their weather forecasts? <laughs> Just take today's weather and repeat it every single day for the rest of your life? Wow. I would suppose that it's not very accurate to compare one dividend rate to another, especially if we're looking under the magnifying glass of just one year and then repeating that one year over and over and over. We don't live in Groundhog Day. Our dividend rates are going to change. They're going to be different from year to year. Not dramatically. They're not going to fall you know, like wild swings of the market, but it might go down and up 10 basis points a year. That's pretty common. Now, if one insurance company picks a few good bonds this current year, and that boosts their dividend rate this current year, then they get to show you that shiny illustration as if they kept having a super awesome dividend for the rest of your life. It's not, re not reasonable. Those numbers on your spreadsheet would be a huge lie, but they'd show that currently high dividend repeated every single year for the rest of your life. It would be like if that loser living in his parents' basement goes out with you one night to dinner and he's wearing cologne and a three-piece suit and he's driving a rented Maserati, He's impressing you with his extensive knowledge of video games. He wins you over. He asks for your hand in marriage and you accept his proposal only to find out your new bedroom, your new castle is a cold, dark room surrounded by stale popcorn and Dungeons and Dragons game pieces. It's just not going to work well. The illustration, the spreadsheet could look really nice when you purchased your policy, but then you could be disappointed for the rest of your life. Side note. Uh, while I am talking about life insurance companies and showing their dividend rates and how they projected on their spreadsheets, I actually am not sure which is worse here. Uh, the life insurance industry choosing to show this year's current dividend repeated over and over again, or Wall Street's habit of showing you an average return of the market's last 20 years repeated into your future. Neither of those are accurate. Both would be lies as soon as they print out the spreadsheet, as soon as the ink is dry. So in my opinion, the final way to answer this very tough question is this, as it relates to the insurance companies with higher dividends versus companies I might recommend, my back office experts and I have devoted many years to the study and evaluation of these whole life insurance companies. There are 29, I counted them one time, 29 different qualifications and elements to building a true bank on yourself type policy. And the dividend rate is only one of those 29 qualifications. If you want to hear all 29 qualifications, go back and listen to episode 159, where we go over all 29. We list them out on the, on the show notes as well. So what's more important? We're confident that the companies we recommend to our clients are the best of the best. What's more important? More than 100 years track record of paying a dividend every single year? Or that shiny illustration merely based on one year's current dividend scale? The moral of the story here is if you live by the illustration, you die by the illustration. So be careful with question number six. Let's move on to tough question number seven. The life insurance death benefit costs too much, Mark, and I don't even need life insurance. I can purchase my own bonds. If I need bonds like the insurance company invests in, I can go out and get my own bonds for the low risk and fixed income side of my retirement funds. And I don't have to worry about this silly cost of this insurance policy. Why would I pay for a death benefit I don't need? And maybe I can even do better myself with my cash values growth through my present investment advisor or my own picking and choosing of bonds. Another smart, great question. I remember someone asked me this early on when I was first just dipping my toe in the water 
of bank on yourself. And it truly stumped me. I kind of thought, well, hey, you know what? He's kind of right. Uh, and so this is why this question is important. I get this question a lot because there are a lot of do-it-yourselfers out there who reach out to me. They see the importance of taking back control of their financial future, and they don't want to subject their money to elements of the market they can't control, or financial advisors that might have a conflict of interest in helping them meet their financial goals. Folks who have this question are also partially correct. You know, you could just take your money, look up the filing reports of the insurance company, showing their diversified bond and real estate portfolios, and then mimic that insurance company's portfolio to hopefully get a similar result without all the insurance costs. <laughs> and so as they say in Australia, good on you, mate. However, they are typically overlooking some important pieces to the puzzle. First, banking is a necessary function for living in a free society. I'll say that again. Banking is a necessary function. It's necessary to live in your society, to live in a free society. The bank on yourself strategy is about placing the banking function where it needs to be at the you and me level, not allowing commercial bankers to completely control it while stealing your wealth. If you don't bank on yourself, you'll have to either use the banker's capital and pay them interest, or you're gonna have to sell your bonds to raise capital to buy your car or whatever else you need. So I have some questions for the individual who asks the tough question number seven here. If you manage your own bond portfolio, how will you know which bonds to buy? That's a key question. In addition, if you try this on your own, will you be able to borrow against your bond portfolio and still get paid the exact same amount of interest that you would have been paid without borrowing? Will the bond's return be free from income tax? No, it won't. And at retirement time, how will you know which bonds to buy and which bonds to keep? Will you have the capacity to purchase 50 to $100 million of bonds a week like the insurance companies do? allowing you to buy higher yielding bonds above retail price. You've been to Costco, right? You know wholesale and you know buying in bulk, right? Insurance companies at their massive scale can do things that you and I as mere mortals just simply cannot do. Uh, they're not just beholden to the bond market fluctuations. Since they're not buying and selling bonds, they're simply holding that bond to maturity and using the bond's coupon payment to cover their expenses. So finally, do you think that buying and selling and trading bonds is free? Is it free of cost? The problem is the insurance cost, right? The life insurance covered up with insurance fees and expenses. Well, do you think that buying and selling and trading bonds is free? Of course not. There are going to be commissions and capital gains taxes to pay every time you buy and sell. Why not let the life insurance company experts do the work of researching and buying those bonds and let you and I profit from their work? And what about that cost of a life insurance policy as you mentioned it? I can show you that in a properly designed bank on yourself type policy, the cost of the life insurance coverage is usually paid within the first five years or, or less. And the cost is typically less than a penny per dollar of coverage. So let's get into that and see some numbers. That is a great question, but that's my answer to that. I, I really believe that uh, the insurance company itself can do a better job than I could or you could uh, at choosing bonds and, and getting the results that we're able to achieve inside our whole life policy and that those insurance costs are worth it. Let's move on to question number eight. What happens to policy values if the US dollar becomes less valuable? Wow, this is a really important question. This question has become more common lately because we've begun to witness our government printing trillions of dollars from the 2020 and 21 pandemic. The more abundant something is, the less valuable it is. Think of the dollar. 
The scarcity of a resource derives its value. I'll say that again. The scarcity of a resource derives its value. So when you're printing trillions more dollars, what is that going to do to the, the dollar? Life insurance contracts, guys, are contracts in the United States anyway, are built on, built upon the US dollar. If you're entering into a long-term contract built on a US currency, you want to make sure that that currency is valuable and will become more valuable over time. So it's always a great opening salvo to a discussion when I hear a client ask this question. So get ready for a deep dive here. Grab your scuba gear. We're going to go jumping right on into this, this ocean here. First, I'm going to give you the shorter answer. So for those that just want the meat and potatoes, here it is. In a world where the dollar loses value, okay, so in that world where the dollar is losing value, the life insurance policy will not change. The life insurance policy's values won't change. However, the value of everything else will change. For example, it will take more dollars to buy the same items, milk, groceries, your car, etc. But if the dollar drops in value, all of our dollar-valued assets will be affected in the same manner. Think of your real estate, the stock market, 401ks, etc. If the dollar drops in value, all of your other assets will drop too. However, if the dollar is devalued significantly at the same time, prevailing interest rates, okay, so the world's economic interest rates, will increase due to that inflationary environment. So side note, the zero or negative interest rates that we've experienced throughout most of my lifetime anyway, in my opinion, are a temporary phenomenon created by artificially low interest rates forced upon us typically by the Federal Reserve. But that's just my comment there. Uh, I do believe that interest rates have to rise. But eventually, interest rates have to go up. And when they do, the whole life policies that you have in your portfolio will increase more uh, than before because of the higher interest rates have historically translated into higher dividends. I'll say that again. The higher the interest rate on your mortgage, the more you can expect your dividend to go up on your policy. And dividends, by the way, are forever, meaning for the rest of your life. As soon as you receive a dividend, it's part of your guaranteed cash value for life, since we use our dividends to buy paid-up additions. Now, paid-up additions are like little mini life insurance policies that require only one payment, one premium. It's a paid-up additional policy. This helps you overcome that dollar-losing value. In addition, remember that your whole life base premium is fixed for the life of the policy. That's the required minimum base premium the smaller portion of your policy's premium going into the policy. So if the dollar is devalued, you'd be paying the same base premium, but with cheaper dollars. However, to compensate for inflation, you'd have to put in more paid up additions or start additional policies. So the only required payment for the policy is the base premium, which gets cheaper and easier to pay during high periods of inflation or low valuations of the dollar. But to keep up with all the rising costs of purchasing stuff, you're going to have to pack more of paid-up additions into your policies. So that's the uh, answer to question number eight. And again, a smart, great question. Now let's move on to tough question number nine. What if the dollar totally collapses? Or even we move to a cryptocurrency? Great question. The dollar collapse implies that the US dollar is no longer recognized by the world as its reserve currency. Could that happen? Yeah, I guess so. Anything's possible. But I'm going to go out there and say it's not probable. Could the Chinese yuan become the dollar's replacement? I seriously doubt that the world would move to a currency controlled by a dictatorship. But 
you know, similar to question number eight, the dollar devaluation or even a dollar reset would impact uh, a lot of the world economy and even your policy. Will the dollar someday cease to exist? I can say with an unreserved yes, that someday the dollar will cease to exist. Just like all things this side of heaven, nothing is eternal. Will it happen in our lifetime or our children's lifetime? I'm going to say humbly, no, it won't. Too much capital, too much military power, too much power behind the dollar for its collapse to happen at least overnight. It will be more like gold coins of the Roman Empire. They're going to clip and clip and clip until there's no value left. You can feel confident that the contract of your whole life insurance is sound, even if the dollar's weak. Contracts, guys, are at the heart of Western civilization. In fact, without contracts, you could argue that there is no civilization without the contract. Now, we've talked quite a bit about contracts on this podcast. I want to briefly mention it here. You know, dividend paying whole life insurance is an insurance contract, and it's a contract against a more expensive future. That's what the contract is. The whole life policy protects you and is a contract against a more expensive future. In fact, the way we design these policies help you and all of our clients keep up with and beat inflation and a devaluation of the dollar. Here's how. First, the cash value grows on a guaranteed basis. You know for certain that the cash value will be greater next year than it was this year. Much like a futures contract for wheat, it's got a predictable future value. So the whole life contract has a predictable future value. Also growing is the future value of the death benefit, giving a future value to your family, no matter what or when or if you live or pass away. If inflation or the devaluation of the dollar rears its ugly head and we go back to 1970s style inflation, whole life insurance dividends will return to double digits as they did in the late 70s and early 80s. Guys, the party's going to be at my house if we start seeing mortgage rates and interest rates going back up to even normal levels or even hyperinflation, because that means bigger profits from my policies. The insurance contract is a store of value because there's a guaranteed price that's built it right into the contract. Here's an extra piece here, a bonus piece. Uh, If the US goes off the dollar, the life insurance policy will be paid in the current legal tender of the country that it's issued in. Let me say that again. If we ever go off the US dollar, your life insurance contract would be paid in the current legal tender of the country that your policy was issued in. So if you're if you're living in the United States and we move to crypto dollar or something, then the life insurance would be paid out in that new currency. Now, I've had that confirmed by several life insurance executives at insurance companies, so it appears to be built into the insurance industry writ large. So if we move to a crypto dollar or bottles of water as our currency, and that's how we value our wealth in the future someday, then that's how the cash value, the dividends, and the death benefit would be paid, according to my sources. This is great stuff. Let me wrap it up with tough question number 10. Hey, Mark, the rate of return on this policy, it's only 4 to 5%. What's going on here? Why should I care about a boring old 4 to 5% return? Now, when you bank on yourself, you have guaranteed growth every year for the rest of your life and beyond. Why do I say and beyond? Because your death benefit is going to go to your loved ones, income tax-free, and presumably they'll be putting money into their policies of their own. So if you have properly explained the bank on yourself concept to them, and I'd be happy, of course, to be your guide and assistant on that project of communicating to your family, in this way, you can have guaranteed growth forever. 
Not only that, but the growth rate in a properly designed bank on yourself type policy is guaranteed to get better and better and better over your entire life. And there's nothing we can do about it. That growth is exponential. What is the rate of return on guaranteed exponential growth? The growth of cash value in a life insurance policy is not really even expressed as a quote rate of return, but the growth is guaranteed and it's exponential. If you're like me, I'd be much preferring a guaranteed exponential growth over some volatile, unpredictable potential growth or loss that the market might give us any day. So what if somebody tells you that the stock market has averaged X percent gain over the last 10, 20, 30 years? Is anything about the stock market right now guaranteed? Do we even know what this afternoon's Dow Jones report will tell us? Of course not. We have no clue. When people actually look at their returns on their own 401k accounts, they invariably find that they're not even getting close to the, quote, average rate of return. For example, in tax-deferred accounts, the IRS is going to take a third of that money anyway, maybe even a half of that money in your 401k. And there's no way to know when a major market crash shortly before your retirement will destroy your best laid plans. So don't worry about the possible low to modest to boring rates of return of whole life insurance when it's a guaranteed growth that can last forever. Now, what about you? Did I get to your question today? This is the top 10 toughest questions I'm faced with uh, in my own heart, in my mind, and as I talk with clients around the country. But what about you? What are you going to do with this episode now that you've listened to it? Is there anybody maybe that you know that needs to know about this? You can be their hero. You can send this episode to a friend. Maybe one of these top 10 tough questions was just what your friend needed to get over the hump and join the Not Your Average revolution. Or maybe it was one of the questions that sparked something in you to think different about your own finances in a different way. We love talking with folks as, as they go through their journey. It's one of my wonderful privileges to get to answer questions and think through tough ones together with you. So thank you very much for that opportunity today. And I want to say a quick thank you to Croissant 911. Uh, about a month ago, Croissant 911 put a five-star review onto iTunes. And uh, you're welcome to do that as well, guys. Croissant 911 says, this is a treasure chest full of gems. This podcast has personally been a divine discovery, but has also brought a wealth of knowledge to so many of my close friends and family. Thank you, Mark, for not being average and sharing these principles with humility and passion. You're truly doing what you were created to do. Well, thank you so much, Croissant911. And I love the uh, username, by the way. And thank you to anybody else who takes a minute to write a five-star review. I truly appreciate it. Uh, and again, the main point is take these 10 questions, ask who else needs to know about this, and what do you personally need to do now that you've heard this episode? We've got some exciting things coming next week. It's going to be a Christmas miracle, so get ready for it. Uh, and I want to thank you guys for joining me for this week's episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live differently with your money, your questions, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com com and click request a meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.